1: Radio, across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham, on Talk Radio.
4: Good morning and welcome to the home of Common Sense, the world headquarters of the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, of course. It is talk radio this morning we are reborn ladies and gentlemen and we will be bringing you all the news you need all the information you can handle and of course all the facts that we can muster about what is going on in the world around us there will be no spin no selective editing no denial of the truth and absolutely no concealing of the story whatever it is Uh, because that's what other places do and that's not for us because we believe in bringing you the unvarnished truth the one that you can actually decide upon yourself as to whether you think it's a good thing or a bad thing. We await to the news today that the Secretary of State for Health, Sajid Javid, is still insisting on compulsory vaccination for NHS workers. Yesterday, we learned that up to 60,000 care home workers might find themselves on the dole queue because they're not double jabbed. Now, he's calling for all NHS workers to be subject to the same dogma. It's an outrage and it must be stopped. But guess what? The way it's being reported in the media is, oh, NHS workers won't have to be double-jabbed until next April. Oh, that's all right then, is it? No, that's not all right then. They should not have to be double jabbed. It's as simple as that. We'll be seeking the guidance of Andrew Allison from the Freedom Association this morning. Up first though, we're joined by William Cluster from the Social Democratic Party. They're having a conference this weekend and I'll be asking him why it's any wonder that the public have lost all faith in their political representatives after the shambles of the vote in the House of Commons yesterday, which effectively cancelled the suspension of Tory MP Owen Paterson for breaching lobbying rules. If they can't see it, we can. Sleaze smells and it's time they realised it. Boris Johnson, uh, I think, has made a blunder by trying to back Owen Patterson just because he voted for Brexit. That doesn't mean he should be subjected to different rules, does it? 0344 499 1000. Coming up later on, Helen Dale will be here with her take on COP26 and the big stories of the week. Has Greta Thunberg lost her luster after that ridiculous video where she's chanting how we can shove the climate crisis somewhere the sun doesn't shine? Charming, isn't it? What a nice young woman she's turned out to be. And Matt Vickers is here as well, the MP for Stockton South. He's got a message for the government about the ludicrous ongoing situation with illegal migrant crossings. Thousands and thousands more people are arriving in our shores uh, every single week. And there's talk that next year they're going to be bringing even bigger boats. Fantastic, isn't it? Pissy Patel keeps saying she's going to stop it, but she continues to fail to do so. We'll find out from that uh, what his plan is. We'll also be catching up with former Donald Trump advisor Sebastian Gorka for his analysis of a big win for the Republicans in Virginia. The Democrats lost the governor's race in a state that Joe Biden won by 10 points in the presidential election. And this is a major blow to him. Sleepy Joe may never recover. And it's all because of parent power and a revolution against wokery in local schools. As ever, of course, you need to hear from you. What are you doing? What are you hearing? And where are you going? You tell us and we will tell everybody else. 0344 499 1000. And because it's Thursday, it's time for Helen and Nicklin with a selection of some rather unusual beverages. That's right. It's the Thursday Club. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. A very good morning to you. It's a sort of grim and dull and slightly chilly day out there today, but nevertheless, it is of course the fourth of November. We're getting very close tomorrow, Guy Fawkes Night. Uh, I'm hoping to see an awful lot of firework displays going off in the skies. Of course, uh, some of the rather mealy-mouth uh, and rather miserable people have decided to cancel some of the firework displays because uh, they don't want to have people mingling because of COVID. Of course, other people are saying, "Oh, it's a little bit disrespectful uh, to certain people who don't like fireworks." Or other people are saying but it might be bad for the, the cats and dogs of the world the point is is it's guy fawkes night put a few fireworks up into the sky enjoy yourself have a couple of drinks uh, and have a bonfire while you're at it and don't worry about the climate uh, because there's nothing you can do simple as that let's talk to william close the leader of the social democratic party because we've got lots to talk about william a very good morning to you hi mike Nice to see you. Um, I know you've got your conference coming up, which we'll touch upon a little bit later on. Let's let's kick things off, though, with Owen Patterson. Shameless MPs sink back into sleaze, is the front page uh, of the Daily Mail. And I can't say I disagree with it, really. I mean, these people have no clue about what the public thinks of them? No, they don't. It's an astonishing political error
5: by the Tories, really. I mean, I, it, it's it's um, complacency, isn't it? Yeah. A large majority, they think they can do what they like. And this is why you know governments make mistakes; they always overreach. But uh, it's it's not a good look at all. I mean, you know, you, by all means, have a look at systems. You know, the, arguably, there might be a system for an appeal system, but the you know the the existing system could be argued that you know has that. I mean, that's what effectively what it is. But to change it because one of your mates uh, gets into a little bit of trouble is is just an appalling error. Yeah. Really bad.
4: Well, it really does look bad as well as being bad. And the thing is that uh, you know. One of the jobs, I was talking about this yesterday to a couple of MPs, actually, one of the hardest jobs to get fired from uh, is being an MP. And the idea that they're saying, oh, there's no justice in the House of Commons, we haven't been able to make our case, and it's been very, I, I, I've been treated very unfairly. He took half a million quid from firms that he lobbied for, right? Now, I, I don't know in what universe that is not considered to be the wrong way to operate as a, as, a, as a representative of the public. Yeah, and he's trying to, I mean, it's quite obvious, and the chair
5: of the relevant committee... Uh, pointed out, he's, he's been lobbying and he's never, he, he's trying to hang on to a public interest um, claim and saying that, you know, it's in the public interest. No, I think we can see what he's been doing. And he's been paid for it. And the trouble is, you know, the Tories are up to necks in this. You only you only have to look at something like housing. You know, the, the, the housing policy of this country is controlled by the donations that the, the, the Tory party received from the House bills. Quite clear. Anyone looking at the returns can see that. And if not, why would they give 11 million pounds to the Tory party? So people are fed up with it. I, I, I just think we need a party that is free of vested interests. And that's that's us. And that's what we're trying to do because people are fed up with this stuff.
4: No, people are fed up, but this is going to go uh, nowhere near uh, where people want this government to go. I mean, we've already had the ludicrous uh, spectacle of COP26, uh, which I don't Mm. know what your thoughts are on, but I suspect they're similar to mine. Seems like an awfully large and expensive operation to achieve pretty much the square root of nothing. Well, the
5: trouble with these... That's putting it
4: nicely, by the way.
5: Yeah, yeah. Um, The trouble with these... I I don't mind governments getting together and trying to work things out, but the trouble is that most of the pledges in, that are made aren't kept to. In any case, the, 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 the odd thing politically here, Mike, is that all the people that are protesting, and gluing themselves to roads and causing trouble, they're very hard on us. They're very hard on the West. They're very hard on Britain. But just look at the, if you look at it dispassionately, look at the figures. This country is largely deindustrialized. industrialized yeah. We shipped all these jobs We closed the factories up, down, shipped the jobs out to South. That's been an amazing, a huge cost, to our families and communities in the post-industrial areas. We've done the hard yards on them, the dash for gas. We don't generate anything. We hardly, hardly use coal now in power generation. Largely, our record is very, very good. But these protesters don't mention it. They don't, and they don't mention, they don't focus on the major polluters, which are China and India and some of the other countries. And so I, I think the problem with the protesters is that they, they really want to have an excuse to kick this country uh, rather than address themselves to the real issues.
4: Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And I mean, as far as the uh, the Tory party's future is concerned, I mean, we've got quite a few by-elections coming up uh, very shortly uh, in various different parts of the, of the country for various different reasons, obviously. Um, one of the reasons, supposedly, Owen Paterson doesn't want to be suspended is because it might force him to have to stand in a by-election uh, where he's already got a 23,000 majority. Now, if he's worried about losing that, they must be behind the scenes pretty nervous. I don't know.
5: I think they 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 may be, but it's very very difficult to to upturn that. I mean, on a single issue, actually, you can get some pretty exciting results as you, you saw in Amersham. Actually, yeah. you know, so I don't know. But no, I think that the the problem, the root problem, is this this the problem of MPs taking money off off interest groups and companies to advocate for them. You know, that's that's the that's the issue, mm. and this has been going on. Actually, it's not it's not a new problem. I don't know how we solve this, you know, back in the 1930s and earlier, parliament was organized to to accommodate lawyers, you mm. know, because people w- would work at the inns of court in the morning, you know, in court, and then they'd wander over to parliament in the afternoon to do a little bit of work there. So always, a lot of them have always had two jobs. And There's a very funny anecdote of F.E. Smith, the famous uh, Tory party, uh, Tory, Tory member of parliament, he used to be at the inns of court and he walked over and he used to get caught short on his way to the commons, and he used to use the National Liberal Club and use the toilets down there. And eventually, the, the person at the door of the National Liberal Club said to him, you, you are a member, aren't you? And he said, oh, you mean, you mean you're a club as well? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so the, the thing is, Mike, this has been going on for ages. We've got to decide whether we want politicians to focus on their actual job of running the country, or do we allow them to run around taking money from here, there, and everywhere and getting distracted. And Mm -hmm. I think it should be the former.
4: Yeah. I mean, I think the difficulty for most people in the in the country, though, uh, is that they're not overwhelmingly wealthy. They're not overwhelmingly uh, running over with, with spare cash. And when they see politicians um, and even people like yourself, William, saying we need to pay them more money, you know, they get paid pretty well. I mean, I know that uh, in some worlds it doesn't seem to be a lot of money, £80,000, but £80,000, let's face it, uh, is more than double, it's almost triple the average wage in this country. So to complain that, you know, they can barely exist on, that in addition to all the expenses that they can also claim the fact that they can run a second home you know the fact that they can claim everywhere they go as a travel expense the fact that they can uh, get subsidised food the fact that they can hire their own members of family to work with yeah. them so thereby boosting the family kind of uh, you know earning power you know I mean these are not people who are in any way suffering and who have not suffered a jot during the entire lockdown scenario
5: no I think you're onto something there I think it's perfectly sufficient to get a good and decent person to work for that uh, you know, and and, and I think, uh, you know, you see this all over the economy, actually, this problem in government and local government. You see, I mean, how many how many, ma- m- you know, prominent local government officers are paid more than the prime minister? A huge number. Yeah, yeah, And it can't be necessary for someone, you know, organizing the, the works department or the housing department in a particular local authority to be paid. Hmm. £200,000. It's just just basically got out of control. And actually, Mike, another area that you've talked about on the show a lot, which is NHS productivity. You know, Labour's solution always is to pile more money in. But actually, if you look at, say, the reason that GP's uh, productivity has fallen, you know what the base reason is, Mike? You know what it is? It's because they're paid very, very well. And 70% of them uh, paid so well, they can work part time. Yeah. Uh, you know. So if you want your, if you pay your GPs vast amounts of money, don't be surprised that on Thursday and Friday they might be at the lakes, uh, you know, going up cat bells and having a nice time. Well, they so might
4: be. Or, or alternatively, they might actually be making even more money in the private sector because I think that's really why a lot of them work part time, so they can do uh, even more lucrative work in the private sector.
5: Yeah, but it's a lot. Of, but it's in the in the end, Mike. It's a cultural problem, you know. And and I think you know, your people are inclined to to forget. That actually shoving money at a problem actually can make it worse, and that's an example of it. So no, I, I I totally reject. If you're if you're getting into politics for the real reasons to help the country and help people, eighty thousand pound plus plus all the other packages that you get and the, the housing should be sufficient.
4: Yeah, absolutely right. And also, uh, we now seem to have a kind of case of of. Uh... Of of overbearance with with the same types of MPs. I mean, there's one or two uh, who you could point to as rather unusually you know, charismatic or quite interesting or having come from an interesting background or a different background. But so many of them now have come through this kind of you know special advisor route, then straight into the party, then you know, run a couple of uh, places where you can't win an election because it's a uh, you know it's, it's it's a challenge against in a safe seat against the Tories or something, and then you finally get selected and you get given a seat effectively that nobody could lose if you had the right sticker on your on your jacket um yeah. and they're not really they're sort of professional politicians which i don't think people want really we want professional people who have done other things don't we oh yeah
5: no it's very important and some other societies do this a lot better than we do um, and effectively in this country the what we get in parliament is totally get gate kept by the selection processes of the two or three main parties that's it i mean and why do they look the same because they all went to the same universities, they all think the same things. I've said for many years that Liber- Liberal Democrats and the Tories and the Labour Party aren't very different in Parliament. They're all Liberals of various kinds. You saw this in the Brexit uh, referendum where you know, basically apart from the DUP, all of the parties backed Remain, all of the, most of the MPs thought the same thing. Yeah. And there was a massive uh, gap between what you know people thought in Parliament and what the public think. And I, I personally, I don't think you'll solve this unless you look at the electoral system and let some competition in and let other people contest these places and get and put people in parliament that actually represent what they think.
4: Yes, I think that's a very good idea. Well, let's talk some more about that. William, stay where you are. Uh, We're going to come back to you. William Clouston, leader of the Social Democratic Party. They've got a big conference coming up uh, at the weekend in London. So let's talk a little bit about that. We'll talk some more about the fishing dispute going on. Uh, They've released the trawler now, uh, apparently with no further action being taken. So the French more or less admitting that they didn't really have any good reason to withhold uh, freedom to the trawler's uh, ship uh, captain and indeed to the trawler itself when they took it hostage effectively. Uh, also, we'll talk some more about the NHS and the jabs, because according to Sajid Javid, if you work for the NHS by April of next year, if you haven't been double jabbed, you'll be out of a job. I think that's a disgrace. This is Talk Radio.
1: Across the UK. Online, on DAB Plus And on the Talk Radio app. The Independent Republic of Mike Gray. On Talk Radio.
4: Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. We are, of course, uh, with the uh, Veterans Rail Card here at Talk Radio. And if you've served any time at all uh, in the armed forces, you can get uh, a Veterans Rail Card. Just go uh, to railcard.co.uk uh, and you can find one there. We'll tell you a little bit later on in the show about some competition. Uh, excitement that you might be able to win a holiday, believe it or not. Uh, let's talk to William Cluston some more. Though. He's leader of the Social Democratic Party. Just before we move on to your conference, William, what about the situation regarding COVID right now? Because we're still seeing, day in, day out, uh, on what I would regard as the biased media, Um What are we going to have to lock down for Christmas? Are we going to have to wear masks? Are we going to have to work from home? You know, meanwhile, cases in England down yet again, 34,317, down from 37,000 and a half last Wednesday. Uh, More people, uh, also fewer people in hospital as well. Why is there this kind of narrative that things are going up again? We keep hearing that infections are going up. I had a doctor on the other day telling me that. Not true. Yeah,
5: as I've said before on your show, they just can't take the win, Mike. They they just can't take the win. We've you know largely vaccinated. Levels of immunity are very very high. What more can you get? Mm. What 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 are they what are they looking for? Yeah. You know I I, I don't get it. And you know and kids are back at school and they should remain back at school. And I I just think we've got a it's a pity. I've seen it actually. You you probably noticed it yourself. Um, you know about two or three four weeks ago things were improving. Fewer masks. Yeah. Uh, you know people were getting on with life and going back to the office and in the cinemas nest. and all, all of a sudden you get this media uh, onslaught, you know, sort of uh, you know, panic machine and, and and I've seen it in the streets people yeah. there's more tension about, you know, there were a few people in the cinema the other day and you know, so they just don't seem to be able to take the win and I, I, I don't know, I think we just have to continue on making the point you know, people, you know, football matches are on, people, largely I think most people, you know, 80-90% of people get it and, and get on but you know, I, I, it doesn't help for this constant catastrophe no. narrative
4: well it doesn't help either that the government uh, took it upon themselves in their wisdom uh, to issue a dictum in parliament uh, whereby more Tory MPs are now wearing masks than they were because Sajid Javid thought they should um and also mm. they've now told pe- people who work there members of uh, staff working for the MPs to work from home yeah but a lot of it was is performative isn't it Mike? it's I mean. like the
5: Labour Party the, the Labour Party in parliament have all got their masks on and then you see them at the conference doing karaoke and then joining it's just it, people people see that through this stuff I, as i say we you know they what they they can't deny that we're largely vaccinated they can't deny that levels of immunity against this disease are very very high in this country and people want to get on so i think we just have to just keep on challenging it, Mike, you know, and actually act, you know, just just, just get on with life, I think. That's well, what I think that's what and most
4: sensible people are actually doing. And it's and it's being driven to a large extent, I think, by uh, the public sector, uh, where people still, if they can if they can get away with not going into work, are still getting away with it. Civil service, you know, tax offices, people who work yeah. for the DVLA, people who work in local council offices, they're all working from mm-hmm. home. Meanwhile, everybody else is going back. Yeah, well, that's
5: again, I mean, we talk about vested interests a lot in in our party and, and, you know, you don't want to be governed by people with vested interests, not the interests of the the country at heart. And I'm afraid the Labour Party's reaction from the whole of the pandemic has been basically just back the public sector unions, whatever the public sector unions wanted, they backed. And, And as Van Morrison said, actually, in one of the best tweets in the whole pandemic, you know, they haven't missed a paycheck. (laughs)
4: <laughs> exactly right that's, and that is quite and that is quite unusual for most people because most people yeah. have suffered in one way or another uh, and then they simply have not let's talk a little bit about your conference this weekend what what's it about where is it taking place can people come along and join it
5: um well it's a conference for the party members and, and guests so uh, not not everyone can rock up and it's nearly sold out so anyway it's it's in london in central london and westminster and uh, we're very excited about it you can imagine it's over two years since I last got on a stage and addressed the CODI conference. That was in Leeds over two years ago. And mm-hmm. it's been, I'm really looking forward just to being with fellow Social Democrats in a, in a, in a big room and getting together again. So that'll be nice. I and mean, we, actually, we actually booked a big venue in London last year, and it was cancelled because of COVID, which right. is a real pity. We could do nothing about it. But yeah, we're really looking forward to it. We've got a, a fantastic um, roster of speakers. You know, David Starkey speaking, Claire Fox. Lionel Shriver, Rod Little, Patrick O'Flynn, uh, Frank Furedi, um, you know, John Lloyd. So, Mohammed Abbas is turning up, you know, one of Rod's mates. So, we, we, we're looking forward to it. It'll be great and it'll be nice to get together and and, uh, and have, have the conference. Yes. The I
4: ran into, actually, one of your fellow members Um uh, at a, a function just the other week, at the um, the Special Forces Club, funnily enough, and uh, he was maxing right. lyrical about the the SDP and how uh, how great it was. And I suppose the, the the challenge, I guess, for you guys is is to get up there and get noticed and 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 get some more seats in in all sorts of different arenas.
5: Yeah, no, it is difficult. I mean, but we're realistic. I think it's a long term project. I, as I say, people, everyone wants you to be on Question Time and win seats instantly, and. Life isn't like that. I mean, I think a, probably a better model, if we're honest, is the Green Party. You've got to get your organisation going, and you've got to get you know contest seats in the local local government first, and uh, contest by-elections. Just get better known. I've always been confident that our our, our basic message resonates with about six percent of the public. If you did a blind tasting, we'd win an election. Hmm. But you've got to just keep on going. It, it, it's a hard, it's a, you know building up a party like this is is hard work and we are realists we're not you know we're not crazy we, we know it'll take time we're very confident about the message i think people are ready for it and uh, we'll just keep on going
4: yeah good stuff well have a good weekend i'm sorry i can't join you uh, but i'm afraid i'm otherwise engaged uh, doing a live show uh, at the same time you certainly wouldn't want me to see me after that um and that's another story altogether william cluston thank you very much indeed leader of the social democrat party um you are of course not Necessarily able to rock up and and join in, but if you join the party, uh, you might be able to go and see uh, what it's all about at their conference in central London this weekend. But a lot of sense talked by William Clouston, and I'm a great believer uh, in the more the merrier when it comes to political parties and when it comes to by elections. It's so difficult for any smaller party uh, to get anywhere in these by elections, but you know, I think there is definitely, in my view anyway, um, a hunger and a thirst for something different from what we are currently being presented by uh, from the Tories and from the Labour Party. Because, quite frankly, watching Prime Minister's questions yesterday between Angela Rayner and Boris Johnson talking about sleaze, I mean, they're all uh, at it, really, aren't they? They've all got uh, very wealthy living off the public purse. They've been getting the fat of the land from the taxpayer for many, many years. Uh, And if they can't live on 80-odd thousand pounds a year plus expenses, and I think it's time they gave up, don't you? The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Right now, though, let us talk uh, instead to Andrew Allison, because uh, the NHS apparently uh, are being told, don't worry, you won't have to face being double jabbed until next April. But if you are not double jabbed by next April, we're afraid you may be out of a job. This, to me, uh, is the thin end of the wedge. In fact, it's starting to get to the thick end of the wedge. Uh, Andrew Allison's Chief Executive of the Freedom Association. Andrew, very good morning to you. Morning, Mike. I'm quite disturbed in the way that this story is being reported. It's being reported as though it's great news that they won't have to face this particular problem until April uh, of next year. This on the back of the story yesterday, uh, in which we were told maybe 60,000 care home workers might be out of a job uh, because they're not double jammed.
3: I think the government's just kicking the can down the road here, Mike. Uh, That's what I think. Uh, with all the NHS winter pressures that they always have every year, there's always an NHS winter crisis, isn't there? They couldn't afford to lose over 100,000 staff. So, therefore, they kick the can down the road until mm. next April. Uh, and I've got a feeling that the can will then be kicked down the road even further. At least that is my hope. Yeah. Um, because we all know that if you are double-jabbed, you can still get COVID. You can still pass on COVID. Yes. We all know that. We've all, we've all met people who've had COVID who've been double-jabbed. I'm sure all of us have. Therefore, everyone who who works in the NHS has to be regularly tested. So so what's the issue here? You know, you, you, you have a test. If you get COVID, you don't go onto the ward. If you if you're tested and you're negative, you do go onto the ward. It really is as simple mm. as that. So, so I'm just hoping that the government, by kicking the can down the road until next April, are effectively just kicking the can down the road permanently.
4: I mean, do you suspect that they don't really want to do this and it's simply um, a mechanism to try and get more people to get vaccinated?
3: i think there's a lot of opposition to it um a lot of opposition not just in the in the, in the public at large but uh, a lot of opposition on the conservative party benches uh they they don't want to see this and they will not vote for it mm. um and as we know from uh, from scenes in in westminster yesterday that you know, the government's under a lot of uh flack at the moment, and uh, and they don't need even
4: more. No, I see. Um, and it's happening a lot in America, which surprises me, and we're going to be talking to Sebastian Corker about this later on, but uh, in New York, apparently, the the, the bin men uh, are being told that they have to get vaccinated, uh, and there's a bit of trouble there. There's rubbish piling up on the streets because there's a, there's an awful lot of sort of uh, problematic arguments going on. A lot of the sports stars are being vaccinated. Uh, we saw Ice Cube, I think, the other day, saying that he was going to drop out of a movie which he was going to get paid $9 million for because he didn't want to be double vaccinated, but there seems to be um, a real kind of thirst for it over there yeah there doesn't
3: all around the world um I, yes there was there was a i think it's basketball player um that i spoke there was a, a couple of weeks ago with uh, with your colleague peter cardwell mm. uh, and he really did put his money where his mouth is because these basketball players are paid over two hundred thousand dollars a game and they play a lot of games a year uh, and, and he refused to, to do it you've, you've got this in australia of course as well where the, the the leader of the Northern Territory uh, in, in Australia has said that everyone must get vaccinated, and if they don't, they'll be fined mm. quite large sums of money. You've got everything going on in New Zealand, of course, where Jacinda Ardern said that the government is the only source of truth. The only source of truth is the government. And and then she was refusing to take uh, questions from journalists mm. who were not accredited in, in, in the lobby. So there's a lot of this going on around mm. the world. You can only hope that after the winter... And when things start calming down again, that that a lot of these policies that that are being enacted will just be reversed. Yes, that's that's our only hope.
4: And also, meanwhile, of course, the the, the cases are coming down. The rates of hospitalisation are coming down. Uh, The death rates are nowhere near what they were back in January and February when we had similar kind of levels of infection. So, you know, at what point do you think the government's actually going to turn around? I mean, it seems to me that they're sort of trying to ignore it at the moment as best they can, because they've all been jumping about around about COP26 and climate change and all of that. Um, But I worry as well that they're going to try starting uh, to use some of their lockdown techniques to kind of start nudging us around climate as well.
3: Well, this has always been the fear. I mean, it's not just on climate. Uh, If you remember, after Boris caught COVID, he then went on an obesity drive. Uh, trying to get us all to eat to eat healthily yeah. we've had warnings of the government coming up with apps that will monitor what we yes, eat beef tax um, and what as we well. drink. And yes, we're we'll beef taxes as well. I mean, I mean, I mean, can you think of a more unpopular policy uh, to to make sure that most people can't afford a, a decent sort of roast lunch mm. on a on a Sunday? Um, yes, there's a, the, this has always been the the fear of for many of us, Mike that the government will use all the techniques, all the scare tactics, all, all, all the fear that it's used during COVID and put it onto, onto other things. I think we're certainly seeing it uh, with what, uh, what's what been going on up in, in Glasgow yeah. uh, these past few days. Not that I'm really trying to watch it very much either. I'm trying to avoid
4: it. <laughs> yes, I think that's probably best. I find it astonishing that, you know, they, 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 after two and a half days, they decided, oh, we've managed, we've done enough now. We're just going to go back to do our regular jobs and leave it to the peasants to kind of figure out the, uh, the nuts and bolts of it all. I mean, it seems to me to have been the biggest and most ridiculous waste of money uh, that I can think of ever.
3: Well, indeed. I mean, Prince Charles boarded a private jet to fly out to Rome to give a speech on climate change and then boarded a private jet again to go back to Glasgow. This is a man who has a home in London, Clarence House. He's got Highgrove in Gloucestershire. He's got Burke Hall in Scotland. I mean, his carbon footprint is massive. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Prince William comes up with some similar things. You know, he's he's got a suite of apartments in Kensington Palace. The Queen gifted him Anne Hall on this on the Sandringham estate. There's mm. there's so much hypocrisy around here. And I haven't even touched upon Joe Biden and the 85 car cavalcade <laughs> going through Rome. I
4: know. I,
3: I mean, the, the, and how many private jets? 70 odd private jets all parked up, all landed at Glasgow Airport, but needed to go yeah. to press week. didn't I mean nearby to be. At,
4: I mean, there's so much hypocrisy. You'd have around. to say they're just—they're just winding us up now. It's like they're trolling us, isn't it? It feels like that, doesn't it? I mean, you cannot take these people seriously
3: because I, I remember when uh, Prince Harry and, and Meghan flew out on a private jet. I think it was owned by Elton John. Yeah. Uh, and Elton John's response was, "Oh, but well, don't worry, we can offset our carbon yeah, that's footprint right. by planting a few more trees." Ah. So in other words, all us plebs can't afford to do that. So, no. So we should never go on holiday but all the rich people should be able to go on holiday on a private jet.
4: Yes, it is absolutely, utterly disgraceful and disgusting. So, I mean, are you confident then, Andrew? Uh, you sound quite relaxed about the whole COVID situation. Are you quite confident that they're not going to try and bring in plan B? They're not going to try uh, and, and bring in vaccine passports because we keep hearing that they might want to. But I just wonder if it's all a bit of kind of bluster.
3: I'm, yeah, I'm not quite as confident as you may think I am. Um, I think some of it is bluster, uh, and we've certainly got COVID passports in Scotland and in Wales, yeah. which concerns me, and it, that it could be brought in, in in England. But certainly, you know, on the on the question of NHS staff being forced to have the COVID vaccine, I am pretty confident that that is not going to happen. Because by the time we get to April next year, and things have calmed down, mm. I think the can will be kicked down further further down the road that's that, that's what i think but it doesn't mean that we should take the, our eyes off the ball it means that we should monitor these things Uh, and and look at what the government is doing and scrutinise their decisions.
4: Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. Never take your eyes off them would be my advice. Andrew Allison, Chief Executive of the Freedom Association. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, the whole point uh, about what is going on here with the NHS uh, is that Sajid Javid is making a big deal and a big song and dance about the NHS staff being double jabbed. But what he is saying uh, is saying they won't have to be jabbed this winter now. If you're going to maxim- maximise the number of people who have had the vaccination, right, maximise vaccinations, that means that surely you would want people vaccinated before the winter. Because that supposedly is when the NHS is most vulnerable. That supposedly is the time when more people come into the NHS because of the fact that it's the winter season and people get flu and people might get COVID or they might get other things, but it's colder. Uh, It's more likely that you will be uh, infected with something or other. And it's more likely the hospitals will be busier. So the logic of making sure that people are double vaccinated is one thing. I don't agree with it. I don't think you should force it on people. But if that is your plan and that is what you say you want to do, why would you wait until April? Doesn't make any sense. So it can only mean that actually they don't want to really do it. They don't actually think it will be in any way necessary. They don't think it will safeguard uh, or save lives. In which case, it's not worth doing at all, is
2: it?
0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers.
3: The Independent Republic of Mike Graham
4: on Talk Radio. Right now, though, uh, it's time to go live to Parliament Square, the home of democracy, the very cradle of our Parliament, because uh, Ricky Freelove is down there for us, uh, because guess what? The Insulate Britain numpties have turned up yet again, uh, gluing themselves to various things, including, I think, a police van. Ricky, what's going on?
6: Good morning, Mike. That's right. So at 9 a.m. this morning, Insulate Britain were back for their 18th day of action. Over 50 members came onto the streets of Westminster, closing off two main roads. There are tens and tens of police officers trying to uh, deal with the situation. The roads were blocked off. There were tens of buses making their way all the way down Whitehall that were trying to do U-turns as well. As you might be able to hear in the background, Insulate Britain are are chanting. This is one of their, their new moves that they've got, not just super doing themselves anymore. They're chanting as well, and as you said before, scaling a police van as well, something we've not yet seen from yeah. Insulate Britain.
4: Well, so they've changed their tactics. What are they actually chanting? Are they doing a sort of Greta Thunberg-style foul mouth chant, or is it something you can repeat?
6: It's very catchy, Mike. Uh, get a load of this. It goes like this. Insulate Britain. It's a real toast app
4: for that one, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Dear me. And why, what are the police actually doing? They seem to be standing about. Yeah, so this is probably one of the, the biggest ones we've seen so
6: far. As I said, over 50, could be up to 60, but it's quite unclear when you actually see them all sprawled across the streets. 41 of them have glued themselves to the ground, which is the, the biggest number, I, I think, so far. And it does really take a lot of time mm. for the police to get this solvent under their hands and feet. I saw the, I think there was three German members that I've not yet seen yet uh, here at uh, part of uh, protesting for insulate Britain. And I think it's quite a clever tactic. If you're German, the police come over and they can't quite arrest you properly because they ask you, "Do you understand that you're going to be arrested?" Huh. And they say they don't understand. Now maybe they're just pretending. Maybe
4: they're just pretending to be German.
6: They, they might well be pretending. And I saw a German news agency speak to them, and they were definitely German. <laughs> so look, it's, it's, a, it's a clever tactic from them, one that you'll appreciate this morning, Mike. I saw uh, one couple who had glued themselves to the ground and also glued their hands together as well, making out. Yeah, who, who thought said romance was dead when you can just come on a, a Thursday morning outside Parliament, glue yourself to the ground and get it on with your girlfriend?
4: I mean, it really is the most ludicrous way to spend uh, any day, never mind on a Thursday morning. Ricky, thanks very much indeed. Ricky Freelove there reporting in. Uh, so they're now importing people uh, who want to insulate Britain from other countries. What's it going to do with them? If you live in Germany, why don't you insulate Germany? Why don't, why don't you, what do you want to insulate Britain for? What's going on with that? That seems to be entirely and utterly ridiculous. But it's not the only ridiculous thing that's going on today uh, because I've got something else even more ridiculous for you, right? Do you remember this metaverse that we'd heard about the other day uh, when Facebook's boss, Mark Zuckerberg, decided that it was a great idea to change the name of Facebook to meta because he's trying to create a metaverse, i.e. a place where people can go virtually online and be anyone they want, be anywhere they want, And do anything they want. Now, I am not a fan of virtual reality. I'm not a fan of going places without actually going there. I'm not a fan of being somebody else because I'm not somebody else. I have no interest in that. But guess what? Now, what we're going to be seeing is Nike setting themselves up to join the metaverse. Because Nike, the people who make all of those very expensive athletic clothing lines and very expensive shoes, which are basically trainers, they 're going to be making virtual trainers now that you can buy, but you can only wear them virtually, so you don't actually buy them you don't actually take delivery of them you don't actually get them sent to you in a box. no, you can own them, but you can only wear them in the metaverse that means when you're sort of you know wandering about inside of your own little world pretending that you're a superstar or a famous basketball player uh, or some kind of rock star because you haven't got the wherewithal to actually be anything in real life. You haven't got the wherewithal to have the confidence to do anything in real life. So instead, you're going to play pretend like a child and you're going to go into a world where you can be the hero. You're going to go into a world where you can be the superhero. You can put on Superman's outfit and wear a pair of really, really expensive Nikes that you couldn't otherwise afford in the real world because they're a little bit cheap, because they don't actually exist. So now we have reached a point of evolution in this country and in this world where people are so stupid that they will actually buy things that don't exist. Right? That's where we are. This is how ridiculous the human race has become. I've often said that we are actually now actually evolving in reverse. You know, for many, many centuries, the human race evolved. We managed to learn how to make fire. We managed to learn how to kill uh, animals to eat for food, and to use their skins for for, for clothing, and to make sure that we could uh, somehow shelter ourselves from the elements. Right? We learned how to make a wheel. We learned how to travel. We learned how to make a steam engine. We learned how to make electricity. We learned how to make gas. We learned how to dig and delve for the few for the few minerals of the earth that could help us to heat our homes. We're now going backwards. We're now talking to people who think we should do away with all that. We're now talking to people who think we shouldn't go to, the, to work any, uh, every day. We should stay at home. We should work from home. We should buy things that don't exist. We should spend money on going somewhere but not going somewhere. If you want to go to Brazil, don't worry. Just go to the metaverse and type in Rio de Janeiro, Copacabana Beach, and just pretend you're lying there. Is that really what the world has become? Is that really where we want to be? Seriously? I can't believe that this is where we have got to. And I think it's pretty sad. And it's a pretty awful indictment on the way the human race is going. I mean, pretty soon, you won't have to worry about climate change because the human race will have become so idiotic and thick that it actually won't be able to reproduce anymore. Because if people don't go out anywhere, they don't meet anybody, there won't be any sex being had. There won't be any families being made. There won't be anything being made. Everyone will just be pretending to be something they're not. I think it's quite frightening, isn't it? What's the matter with these people? The metaverse. Deary me. This is, of course, the independent Republican, Mike Graham. This is the home of common sense. It's very fast becoming the last bastion of anything resembling people with brains. People can say what they want here. I was talking to somebody just earlier on today. They said the thing we like about talk radio is that you can say pretty much what you want. You can't do that anywhere else. You can't go to work and say anything you want. You can't go on a tube train and say anything you want. You can't go on a railway line and speak on a platform openly in case somebody gets offended by something you've said. We can talk openly here, and I want you to call me and talk about this, because this is really quite remarkably stupid, this latest development, this metaverse. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg is a geek. He's a very wealthy geek, but I don't think we should be following his example and turning the earth into something in his own image. Nobody goes out. Nobody meets anyone. Everything's done behind a screen. Everybody has a robot. Everybody has a virtual world that they go and disappear into every so often on their own to meet other people who don't exist either. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. A primary school up in Edinburgh has decided it'd be a good idea to celebrate equality. Now, there are many ways of celebrating equality. Uh, You could basically just treat everybody the same. I know that sounds old-fashioned and maybe slightly revolutionary, uh, but you could try it. But that's not what they want to do. Not in Edinburgh, uh, not at the Castle View primary. What they want to do uh, is get boys as well as girls, as young as three, to go into school today wearing skirts. Uh, let's talk to somebody sensible about this. Belinda De Lucy, former Brexit Party MEP. Mother, of course, as well. Social commentator. Belinda, very good morning to you.
7: Good morning, Mike. What a story. I I know. Can you believe it's real?
4: Well, I wondered if it was April Fool's Day when I saw it this morning, but apparently it is real um, because the most staggering thing about these people who want equality is that they actually don't want equality, do they?
7: No. No, this is a a movement that uh, is is censorous. It is anti-free speech. It wants to erase female language, it wants to push its ideology now onto little children. Um, listen, no one's got a problem with boys wearing dresses or girls wearing breeches, or that's not an issue here. It's the pressure and the coercion of people to to step in line with the gender uh, extremism movement that sort of hijacks... Uh, harmless trans community that we knew 10 years ago this is happening in schools up and down the country children are being exposed to this ideology this this idea that if a boy doesn't fit a stereotypical butch little boy he's born in the wrong body and becomes a girl if he wears a skirt Um, i think it's a dangerous thing to teach children i think it's very sexist Um, and listen if the school wanted to let the boy wear a skirt fine my problem is is pressurizing other children and boys especially to wear skirts To be kind, you can imagine the conversations going on at home, you know, parents are like, son, you need to wear a skirt to be kind. I don't want to wear a skirt. Well, you have to. Otherwise, the school will brand the family transphobic. This is what I mind about this movement. It is sinister. It requires absolute... crushing of debate. It believes debate is literal violence. Yes. Um, if you dare to challenge it. And and actually children are so vulnerable because they have enough on their plate to deal with and adults are projecting this weird sort of uh, I don't know what to call it it seems a bit fetishy to me at times um, they're projecting this mental illness onto children mm. um, and denying them sex and biology and teaching children to lie yeah. and be complicit in other people's lies. It's a very uh, dangerous message to send to Children. Also,
4: isn't it weird that all of these people who are protesting um, against sort of you know right-wing intolerance are so intolerant of everything because. Um They're only tolerant of things that they want to be tolerant of. You know, what if you turned up and said, well, I'd quite like to turn up, you know, dressed as a as a a Russian soldier. That wouldn't be allowed. Oh, no, we've got a dress policy here. We've got a code. You can't be you can't be turning up, you know, dressed as, you know, a a, a goose or a pantomime dame or anything like that or an ugly sister, because that's not nice. But you can wear a skirt. Also, it's kind of ironic, isn't it? That is not it that it's in Edinburgh where men walk around in skirts on a regular basis.
7: I was gonna say they have the kilts. Yeah. I mean you know, just just allow kilts as part of the, the the uniform option. You know, my daughter at the age of six dressed as a boy for four years. I mean, trunks and everything. Right. Um, we didn't pay any he to it. We just thought it's a normal childhood thing to experiment, wear different clothes. She just adored her daddy and wanted to dress like yeah. him for a few years. The idea of calling up the school. Right, exactly. <laughs> the idea I'd call up the school and say, right, she has to wear a boy's uniform, she presents as a boy now, and all the other children have to not misgender her or they get punished. This is what I hate about the mm. movement. It requires punishing innocent people, and children children don't have a childhood anymore as it is. you know, leave them alone, let them be girly boys if they want, but don't force other children into this weird ideology where they have to pretend someone is something they're not. Right. It's like the george orwell nineteen eighty four where they say the last part the party's final command was telling people not to believe what they see or hear what right. they. You know, with their ears, it's it's a frightening message to send to children. Leave kids alone. Yeah, absolutely right. ideology should be kept for adults. Because
4: schools are so rigid in many other ways as well. I mean, if you don't have the regulation shirt that you had to buy from the school outfitters for some ridiculous price, you know, about eight times more than you could buy in a high street shop. You know, uh, the kid gets sent home. You know, they're now saying that they've apparently they've adopted this from Spain, uh, which which invented wear a skirt to school day. I mean, it just seems bonkers to me.
7: Well, it's not about equality. They don't want equal rights. They want privileges. Because if any other group said, I want to wear this, I want to wear that, um, and you're just going to have to face it. I mean, it's, it's one thing, a child doing it, but forcing up... And it is a kind of force. It really is. Because the consequences of not putting your boy in a skirt means that you get, you know, a reputation for being a bigot in a trans It's very clever how they've infiltrated schools. And it's happening in London as well. Parents are getting phoned up by teachers saying, actually, this boy now presents as a girl and he wants access to the girl's tent on the school's trip. And parents have said, you know, I felt really under pressure to say, yes, that's okay because otherwise i will get called a transphobe. Yeah. And people who don't think this gender movement matters and we should all ignore it don't understand the consequences. These children are going to be in government one day. They're going to be our lawmakers. Yeah. And they're getting royally messed up at the moment by adults forcing them to erase right. the idea of
4: And sex. it's one thing, isn't it? It's one thing to encourage tolerance, because tolerance is a great thing. Britain is very famous for being one of the most tolerant nations in the world, which is why so many people want to come and live here. But it's another thing to force people to be tolerant of something which they might not necessarily be that enthusiastic about. You can tell them not to be, um, you know, prejudiced against people, but you can't make them like people or like something if they don't like it. I mean, that's mad.
7: Exactly. That's why the movement is, to me, feels sinister. It's not about boys wearing dresses. I, I, for me, if men want to wear dresses, crack on. All the best to you. I don't have a problem with that at all. It's the the punishment of society, the forcing of women to lose the right to reject boys from you know girls can't reject boys anymore from their lose or changing rooms. Yeah. This is taking away rights. It's erasing truth. It's erasing language. Um. And it's gone too far. You know. I think it just we just need to put the brakes on this now and stop this nonsense and protect children. What a betrayal of children for adults to force them into lying and being complicit in in something that is pretend for everyone else. Exactly. Um, Wait, wait till they're 18 and if they want to change their gender and everything like that, go for it. Um, But not when they're children. Leave them alone.
4: Well these are primary school kids as well. So I mean, you know, they're gonna feel particularly put upon, aren't they? Because they haven't even formed yet what their notion is of the world. I mean, at least when kids are at secondary school, they have an idea of what they believe in and they know what they've experienced up until that moment. But these kids are, uh, you know, as young as three and four.
7: And it's the identity politics movement. They want to dismantle and unravel framework and structure around children, around the family unit. It's all part of making these kind of vacant, wandering, soulless creatures uh, that will be more inclined to sort of weird cults when they're older. Um, And I feel very... I've got great concern over the identity political movement infiltrating university and Mm. schools. We've had a conservative government for years now and they've allowed it to happen. Um, That's what I can't get into my head. You know, if this is what's happening under a Tory government, imagine what would be happening to schools under a Labour government, yeah. um, adults have to protect children from this. Instead, we're screwing children up every single day and then expe- and then talking about World Mental Health yes. Day.
4: Yes. Well, I've got good news for you, Belinda. I don't know if you follow uh, the, uh, the politics in America at the moment, but Virginia has just elected a Republican governor. And the reason uh, for the state which voted uh, Joe Biden in by a 10-point margin, they voted um, against the Democrat incumbent, is because he said this. Just as he was running for uh, to, to to be re-elected, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. And there was a massive parental backlash and they've all voted Republican. And now he's been kicked out. So there's hope yet for the rest of us.
7: <laughs> there is hope. Listen, I believe I believe in the British people will see sense. And at the end of the day, the ballot box will guide policy in the end. And we just need to go. This is nonsense. This is hurting children. Can we just, you know, be realistic for yeah. once and stop going down the woke train? But if the Tories aren't doing it with an 80 seat majority, Mike, who is?
4: Well, we are. You know,
7: I mean, we are the sole,
4: we are the sole sort of voice of common sense in the country now uh, talk radio. Yeah, you need to
7: form a political party, Mike, a talk radio party. We may well,
4: we may well have to just to keep everybody worked up because we do like winding up the old lefties. It's very funny. Uh, We're doing it a lot today as well. Belinda, great to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Belinda Lucy, former Brexit Party MEP, social commentator, mother, of course, as well, and a woman who knows an awful lot about raising children and educating children, uh, and what the school should not be doing uh, is telling kids, come in a skirt. That's what we want you to do tomorrow. Unbelievable, right? absolutely crazy
1: the independent republic of mike graham on talk radio
4: and we are of course here with the forces rail card just a single day service in the armed forces qualifies you for a veterans rail card so go and get one uh, at railcard.co.uk and you can save yourself some money uh, traveling around the place now uh, let us say a very very good morning uh, in washington dc to dr sebastian Gorka. sebastian how are you doing
2: very very well after what happened i'm a resident of the commonwealth of virginia yes we are very very excited here mike
4: i mean is this guy terry mcauliffe going to become a candidate for plank of the week because he seems to have completely (laughs) kiboshed his own campaign
2: can i vote can can i get a vote please (laughs) absolutely and you did a superb summary of what happened here but let's just add a couple of details terry uh, as my friend here as the morning radio show says terry mcawful terry mcauliffe (laughs) Uh, it's hard to choose, but he may be the sleaziest politician in the Democrat Party. Now, that's saying Why? something. Uh, no, seriously, it is. But this was the bagman for the Clintons. This was the fundraiser for the Clintons. So it, a, a more sleazy individual is hard to imagine. He had been the governor of Virginia before So this should have been an absolute shoo-in. This should have been a cakewalk for him. Up comes a guy, a little bit like my boss, uh, President Trump, who's never run for office before, Glenn Youngkin. He's been a businessman, raised in Virginia, and he wins. Mm. It's stunning. And and as you said, it's because he embraced the question of the culture war. Not only do we have uh insane leftists in control of the school boards in virginia who are propagating these transgender policies where where you know guys called bruce if they decide that today i'm julie they can use the, the female toilets and they get to you know play volleyball with the girls not only that this is this is the horror story it's a bit like the grooming gangs that you had in the uk one of these students put on a skirt raped a 15-year-old girl in one of these uh, state schools in Virginia. It was hushed up by the school board, hushed up by the superintendent. They quietly moved this student to another school where Mike, he raped again. And at the next school board meeting, they denied it as they were voting on their transgender policy they said, oh, no, no, this this is absolutely safe, and there have been no events of this kind. Nobody has been assaulted in the girls' bathrooms, and that's why this man won. Why? Mm. Because at that second debate with McCawful, Glenn Youngkin managed to get him to say... Um, yeah uh, the parents shouldn't be in charge of the schools that within 24 hours became a, a little sound soundbite campaign ad for Glenn and he embraced the culture war and he won and this is a massive upset for Biden and the Democrats
4: it really is and I was watching a video I want to play a little bit of it here for you Sebastian and why the parents decided to back uh, Yunkin and what they thought uh, of what had been said by McAufill let's have a watch
0: I'm supporting Youngkin, and I'm supporting Loudoun County, Virginia, okay, schools, students, parents. I've been here for 20-some years. I raised my children here, and even though my children are grown, I care. Bring a whole new look to curriculum,
1: and he really wants to have and parents work together as a team. And I really like that. You know, I think parents are the, the first educators. And I think teachers need to work very
2: closely with parents, and I'm excited about that.
3: I'm out here to support Glenn Youngkin and fight to
0: take back our schools, our government, and our country. Uh, we're here because he is going to be there for our children. He's going to be a voice for our children. And as parents in Virginia, that's what we need.
3: I like what he had to say. I like what he had to say about the schools. I like what he had to say about business, taxes, all those stuff that's really important, not this divisive crap that's been going on lately.
4: That's brilliant stuff. And Sebastian, can we hope that this is the beginning of the fight back against the wokists and the people who think that parents don't matter, uh, that, you know, that that only they know best and that they will tell us what they're going to do with our money?
2: From your lips to God's, it's, it's incredible. We're witnessing this across the nation. This this is the upside. This is the one good thing about the China virus. Mm. What happened? The, 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 the little fascists like Fauci sent our kids home, shut down the schools. And what happened? They had to take their classes by Zoom, by video. And then the parents could see the insanity, mm. the indoctrination that was being pumped into their minds, including this thing called critical race theory, which is pure Marxism that divides the children based upon skin color. It says, if you're white, you are inherently a racist. If you're black or brown, you're going to be a victim for the rest of your life parents woke up and it wasn't politicians yes god bless glenn congratulations to glenn Youngkin, but it was the mama bears mm. who went to these school board meetings and said from new york to virginia said you are not doing this you are not indoctrinating our children people like stacey langton uh, and um, people like a uh, chantelle cooper here in virginia they won this commonwealth for the common sense man and woman. And yes, th- th- this is going to be, my, my wife who works these issues for, for the conservative think tank and the Heritage Foundation calls this the parents' revolt. Yeah. Parents are gonna take back America one school board at a time, and now, Uh, I think there's a crisis in the Democrat Party because what what have they got to show for the last 10 months with Sleepy Creepy in the White
4: House? Well, I mean, I presume he's back now from uh, falling asleep at the climate summit uh, where he was pictured quite regularly uh, with his eyes shut. I mean, I don't blame him for falling asleep because it was about as as interesting as watching paint dry, you know. Um, But amazingly, you know, everybody flies in. They create enough carbon, apparently, for the whole year that they normally do in Scotland. And after two and a half days, apparently they've solved the climate crisis. So they all go home. You know, the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Uh, It it is. Yeah,
2: hypocrisy doesn't cover what they did. And then and then you see this creepy thing when they're in Rome without masks. They stand at the Trevi Fountain, which is okay. Every tourist goes to the Trevi Fountain. Then they turn their backs and they throw the coin. What what is this? Is it cult? You're supposed to be, you know, the arch pro-science people on the left. They call the conservatives the (laughs) scientists, but superstition is going to save the planet. I I agree with Greta Thunberg. Did you see the video of her where they said, you can shove your climate change up your ass? Finally, she's seen the light. God bless you, Greta. But hang on. (laughs) Biden comes back. Sleepy Creepy comes back the morning of the virginia conservative victory he's you know ambles off air force one goes and drinks his horlicks and guess what he cancelled he has no meetings no meetings for the day after the biggest upset victory since Donald Trump won. This is how confused they are, Mike.
4: Yeah, it must be fantastic because people are fed (laughs) up to the back teeth. Same here, right? Because we've sort of taken our eye off the ball. You know, the universities of this country are shoved full of these wokists, right? Uh, They're kicking anybody out who they don't like, who they don't agree with. These are the same people who then become government advisers, government ministers. You know, we've got a pretty woke Conservative Party now in this country. Uh, we, we, we don't have a Conservative Party really anymore. We've now become one of the most highly taxed nations in the entire world. You know, they're spending money like it's going out of fashion, you know, and it's our money and it needs to stop.
2: One of as, as a, a guy who grew up born in the UK, who grew up under Maggie Thatcher, uh, I, I'm really horrified. I, I'm so dismayed. Mm. I, I thought Bojo was gonna bring, you know, his big brain and he can speak ancient Greek great. He was gonna bring some kind of classical conservatism back to Downing Street. And I don't know whether COVID broke him or or his new woman. But this guy, he, he's not a Tory. He's not a conservative. The things he said at the climate change meeting, no, no. That, that could have straight have been straight out of the wokest left agenda. So, you know, somebody step up to the plate. Nigel, will you please come back? We, 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 we You know, it's not just here in America. We've got the wokest. It's across the pond in the UK. What would Churchill say? What would Maggie say? Come on, guys.
4: I know they really wouldn't be quite able to take in what's going on, because, as I say, you know, they're talking about, you know, regulating the. FTSE 100 companies and telling them to go green or else they're going to start taxing them more you know they've gone mad they seem to think that they're in charge of the world they're not actually just sitting here for a few years while we pay them to do what we want them to do
2: we we have it even worse so we we have alexander ocasio cortez her green new deal which is better better termed, the green new steel mm. which has led to some insane in california now they actually passed this law mike the, the big corporations must have requisite representation on their boards. So, you know, if you have the the right sexual organ between your legs, you can become a member of the C-suite, a, a member of the the chief executives of a big company. Why? Not because you know anything, not because you've ever built anything, not because you got good grades of business school, but because you're a woman. That's insanity, and it is against the American ideal of meritocracy. If you're good at something, if you can build something, if you've proven yourself, that way lead success. So it's time that we had a parent's revolt on both sides of the Atlantic. Yes,
4: I think that's absolutely right. And I think it's coming because people are fed up as soon as they start costing it and telling people we need to pay more money in taxes to pay for this green rubbish, you know, because the world apparently is going to end uh, in 2050. Well, so what? If the world ends, maybe we'll all be better off. You know, I'm not going to pay to try and save it. I don't think we can What's going on in New York, by the way, because I saw a tweet earlier today uh, where the trash is apparently piling up because the bin men up there are being told they have to be double vaccinated to carry on working.
2: Do you remember the winter of discontent yeah. before Maggie came? I We're do. getting a little bit of a flavour of the, uh, the, the winter of discontent in one, what used to be one of the greatest cities in the world. Because of the vaccine mandate that kicked in this week, think of this not more than almost ten, nine plus thousand government employees in New York were just put out of a job because they said, uh, I've had COVID, therefore I've got the antibodies, or B, uh, my religion or my doctor has given me uh, advice not to do this. And the New York, the New York state, which has become a really socialist state said, okay, dude, you've lost your job, whether you're a copper, whether you're a nurse, or whether you're a dustbin man, that's, new york that's the insanity that's another reason i mm. think we're going to see the woke revolt and it's everywhere I, I had a guest on my show yesterday former seal former governor of missouri he told me that up to 600 members of the seals are are, are going to leave our most elite tier one unit it's like the sbs yeah because the navy is telling them they have to get vaccinated Mike, these are the fittest people in the world. They can bench, you know, 300 pounds. They're they're, they're fighting, killing machines like the SAS. And they're being told, you have to get the jab because uh, politics, because Fauci. That's that's like a third of our fighting force in our most elite units. So, yeah, whether it's the parents, whether it's the dustbin men, whether it's the nurses, whether it's our tier one war fighters, it's time to take back our country.
4: It's like the same... Do you remember that row, that ridiculous row there was when uh, uh, President Trump went out when he was campaigning and he went out in a car... Um, and he wasn't wearing his mask. And suddenly everyone was going, but what about the Secret Service guys? You know, these, these are the guys who are supposedly will take a bullet for him. I think they're right. fine. I think they'll be all right with that. You know, right. I was there. I was actually there. It was outside
2: the hospital after he caught <laughs> COVID. Right. Yeah. And we were having a little rally for the boss outside. And he drove by. He waved at us. It was epic. Somebody had ordered like uh, 20 pizzas for, for everybody waiting outside. Right. And he waves at us. And somebody said, well, what about the Secret Service? The guys who, as you say, are literally trained to jump in front of the bullet for the president. (laughs) If somebody tries to kill him, uh, he needs to put a mask on for them. This is the insanity. Who are the science deniers? It's like kids. We are now having the FDA, the CDC, say five-year-olds have to be vaccinated. I walk past this beautiful playground every morning walking my dogs and I see healthy parents holding the hands of their toddlers and the little kid has got a mask on. And one day I'm going to ask him, Mike, have you looked into the mortality rates for kids? Yeah. It's not 50% of kids that get COVID who die. It's not 5%. It's not 1%. Dude, it's 0.05. Yeah, And well, you, you want to mask them?
4: You want to jab them? They're the science deniers, Mike. They really are. We've got a great statistic here, which I've been trotting out recently, which is of all the people who were surveyed who never wore a mask ever during the whole pandemic. Do you know how many? what the percentage of them was that caught COVID? No, two percent. What? Two percent. Wow. And now I've
2: had I've had COVID. I'm not afraid of it. I refuse to wear a mask. Bring on the Delta, the epsilon, the gamma, the LGBT variant. I don't care why. Because it's as as the left like to say about abortion my body my choice it's like schooling it's like what your kids should learn guess who should be responsible the parents Mm. when it comes to my health guess who should be responsible for my health mike uh me me and my doctor i talk to my doctor he gives me advice and i make the stinking decision not some small little bureaucrat in 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 the white house not somebody who's a quote-unquote expert who's having nooky. With, his, with this his married paramour <laughs> while he's telling the UK to lock down. Yep. I, think, I think the age of experts is dead. What do you think,
4: Mark? Well, I think that's absolutely right. And the trouble is, though, we've now moved into the next phase, which is this climate crisis, which we're using all the same models for. You know, they're all going as if they're experts in temperature. We must keep the earth from getting hotter than 1.5 degrees by the end of the century. I mean, it's like you're looking around going, Am I the only person here that thinks they're talking absolutely nuts of boulder They're talking rubbish. They're, they're, they're not ver- using any, any science at all.
2: That's a very kind description of it. I think you and I are about the same age. Do, do you? Let's just wind the, 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 the clock back a little bit. In the last 50 years, what have we been told by these experts? First... It was the coming ice age yeah go back 50 years look at the cover of time look Mm -hmm. at the cover of newsweek the experts were saying the ice age is coming when that didn't work to scare us it was a a overpopulation we're going to run out of food the malthusians were were scaring us that didn't work oh then it was acid rain let me remember so it was ice age uh overpopulation acid rate oh the ozone remember the hole in the ozone is going to fry us all that didn't work a long claim climate no oh um um global warming yeah. that didn't work to scare us and now we're on iteration what number six yes. and it's climate change guys by the way there's something really interesting about the climate ever since you know god created the earth it changes and, and the biggest impact on the climate isn't on the climate, isn't you in in your Range Rover or me in my Mustang. It's that big yellow burning thing in the sky, which we have very little control over, guys. You can put your your sunglasses yeah. on or put up a little parasol, but
4: that's about it. Right. Well, here's another fact for you. Right. We had a report this week that said that you know the greenhouse gases right now in this moment, uh, in 2021, are exactly the same, and they're as high as they were for billion years ago and i'm going so maybe we haven't had much of an effect then in the last couple of hundred years that they've been measuring the uh, the, the the actual you know the earth's temperatures and all the rest of it and here's another great stat for you george monbiot uh, who's the sort of poster boy of a catastrophe uh, he wrote in the guardian december 23rd 2002 that in 10 years time the world is going to run out of food <laughs> That was 2012. Uh,
2: the, Guardian, the, the Guardian. I wouldn't even wrap my fish and chips in The Guardian. Seriously. I mean, this is what AOC told. <laughs> AOC told us when she was elected, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. We've got 12 years left to save the earth. Then just last Friday, she said, we're going to run out of food by 2048. Hey, AOC. I'm no mathematician, (laughs) but but I thought the world would have ended 20 years before we got to. So these guys, it's, it's not about the climate. It has nothing to no. do with the environment. It's about control. Yeah. As, as a British author once said, as, as James Delling said, I think he wrote a book about this. Uh, there's nothing green about this. This is a watermelon. It's a thin rind of green and inside it's deep, deep commie red. Yeah. This is just another way to control us, whether it's saying you can't eat beef because cows fart too much, or, mm. or whether it's saying you can't drive a V8 engine because whatever. It's just controlling your lifestyle. It's their latest excuse. Communism, like Marx wrote it, is not appealing to anybody. And now they're trying to get to you by scaring you, whether it's masks, jabs or whether it's the environment. It is a control mechanism and it is Orwellian and we have to step up and stop it. We
4: do. Absolutely. And luckily, they're giving us plenty of reasons to ridicule them. I mean, Sleepy Creepy turns up at the Vatican, (laughs) right, with an 85 car motorcade telling everybody to stop driving. Huh? Not only that, did you see? I mean, look, I'm a cradle
2: Catholic. If I was meeting the Pope, uh, did you see what he said? He met the Pope and he goes on on this senile tangent, this this insane thing about some baseball player. Yeah, And I'm thinking... I'm sorry, that's the proof. You are senile. Yeah. If I'm meeting the head of my church, mm. I'm not going to ramble about some... What right. what is the Italian... What does the Pope in Italy, who's from South America, want to hear about baseball?
4: No, I know. He also said something very odd, which which I thought was a very strange thing to say. I'm the only Irishman you've met who doesn't drink. <laughs> Really? Well, that's, isn't that racist? Well, one, it's a bit racist too. He's not Irish. He just <laughs> pretends to be so he can get the old Petro dollars from the IRA supporters. And then um, he makes out that he doesn't drink. Well, I don't know whether he doesn't drink or not. I presume he had a drink at some point in his life. No, th- th- this is, if you need a- any proof, just what,
2: I know it's painful, but just watch the guy for five minutes, <laughs> whether it's back here, whether it's in Rome, whether it's at the climate summit, th- this is, th- this is, Everybody talks about, hey, conservatives shouldn't question the results of the last election. I don't need a court order. I don't need empirical evidence to understand there is no way on God's green earth that a senile, creepy old machine politician who's been in it for 47 years got more votes than the first black president. Are you kidding me? If you believe that, you're smoking something and it's not tobacco.
4: And I see the left got very worked up when Donald Trump's letter was published in the Wall Street (laughs) Journal. That was great fun. I know, I know. But even the Wall Street Journal, even this
2: alleged bastion of conservatism had to do an opinion piece from the editorial board the day after lambasting the president. But hang on a second. If everything's fair, if everything's copacetic and transparent, why would you be afraid of just investigating it mm. the only person who has anything to hide are the people who are the fraudsters so if you believe in a democracy if you believe in a republic then shouldn't shouldn't all the books be open to to, to analysis and examination
4: mike well i would have thought so but of course that's not what they like to do uh, sebastian when can we see you uh, on your show when is that coming next So the TV shows
2: every Sunday, it's called the Gawker Reality Check. It's on uh, Newsmax, the the, the, uh, competitor to Fox, a fabulous, fabulous channel. You can download the app, just go to newsmax.com, and every day, three hours of radio. Once you've listened to Mike, you can listen to me. You can go to SebGorker.com. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A, SebGorker.com and the show is America First.
4: Tremendous stuff. Sebastian, good to talk to you. We'll see you again soon. Sebastian Gorka, checking in uh, from uh, Virginia and from Washington, D.C., where the Republicans have just trounced home uh, because the parents have finally had enough of the wokists. Talk radio
1: across the UK online on DAB and on your smart speaker.